This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Carr has to work quickly. Down to six seconds. Carr going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. Hunter the beat and the punter brings him down. Touchdown, most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims. And welcome back to another episode of the Clear Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, we plan to have a podcast every single day this week, but the last two days have been exceedingly quiet. Only one signing over the last two days for the Jets. Um, so I guess we can break him down and then some of the guys that they missed out on. And then again, previewing some of the moves they can still make over the next few days, because I do anticipate Joe Douglas picking up his activity as the week rolls on. Um, but first, Michael, let's talk about Justin Hardy, who I thought was a an, ex- an excellent signing uh, for Brent Boyer special teams. And he's a corner, but he's probably not going to be on the field too much. He brings you a little depth, but what he brings in the special teams unit is what he was signed for. Yeah, I definitely like this signing quite a bit. It was a need that I definitely thought they could have looked at because their punt coverage unit really struggled last year. So I did think that it was possible they could look at signing a proven special teams ace to try to improve that and they did end up going out and doing that with hardy he's a guy who is a really good gunner he's only missed five tackles against 33 special teams tackles in his career that's a 6.6 to 1 ratio which is double the league average in 2020 which was 2.9 to 1 uh he was pff's number six special teams player this past year in terms of special teams grade um, so he, he has great speed. He's a great gunner on the outside, is fantastic at beating blocks and getting downfield. Uh, so he should definitely be a huge help in improving this punt coverage unit because it, it wasn't good this year. Um, Braden Mann had his struggles. You know, he had his ups and downs. He wasn't as good as he could be at some point down the line. But the punt covered, the, the coverage team was a lot worse than he was because the the numbers overall in terms of DVOA and net yardage were a lot worse than his own individual numbers in terms of hang time and fair catches and things like that. So that definitely suggests that it's much more the coverage team's fault. And if he didn't make those three ridiculous tackles, to save touchdowns, the numbers would have been even worse than they already were. They gave it the right. six most yards per punt return. So uh, it was a big quietly, a pretty big need on special teams and they got one of the best gunners in the league to help fix it. Yeah, I think you put it well in your tweet yesterday that Carl Lawson was a weapon for Robert Sala, Corey Davis was a weapon for Mike LaFleur, and Justin Hardy was a weapon for Brent Boyer. I think you're right. This was a definitely an underrated need for the Jets. We didn't even talk about it too much, but I think that's 
you know, kind of a symptom of the fact that the Jets have so many needs, but this should not go into the radar. This is a big signing for the Jets, at least, you know, special teams definitely impact the game. You saw the decline in Brant Boyer's unit last year and a big reason was the coverage team. So I'm excited they brought him in and, you know, I'm not going to pretend to know too much about him, uh, but I will say it should be included in the scouting report that Saints fans were very upset to lose him by all accounts. He's a great guy in the locker room, um, a leader. And, and he even tweeted himself that he's, he's here to help change the culture. Um, so excited about that signing. I guess some of the guys they missed out on over the last two days uh, is intriguing to me because me and you talked about, we thought, I think we had our, our guaranteed signings. You said Kerry Hyder, who's still in the market, could still very well be a Jet. I said Gerald Everett, who just got signed by the Seahawks um, yesterday. We talked about some corners, Shaq Griffin, uh, William Jackson, Chidobe Woozy. They're all off the market. So there's still holes for this team. They didn't go after some of those signings. I guess, and Curtis Samuel as well uh, to the Washington football team. So I guess, what are your thoughts on some of the guys they missed out on? Do you think Joe Douglas potentially made a mistake not targeting one of those those top corners or maybe bringing in a guy like Curtis Samuel, who many people think is, is a perfect fit in this Michael Floor offense? Yeah, I, I want to talk about Curtis Samuel, and I'm curious what you think as well. Um, I, I do think he's a little – I like him a lot. He has a lot of great skills. He's a really unique player. What he did as a rusher last season is incredible. He is a very efficient, deep receiver. There's a lot of things he brings to the table. I like him a lot. But I do think there was a little bit of overhyping from Jets fans as if he's this perfect fit and they should cut Crowder and slide him in. I, I just didn't really agree with all that. I do think that – Crowder is has sort of gotten to the point where he's being underrated by Jets fans. I think that he's a guy who a lot of people are looking at as not necessarily a great fit in this offense, but I don't think that's actually true because his, I think a lot of people look at him as a separation guy, a short, uh, short range separator, but not necessarily a yak guy, but he actually is a really good yak guy. His yak numbers, his broken tackles numbers, all those are really good. And Curtis Samuel, on the other hand, actually is hasn't been that good in those areas. He's pretty consistently below average in terms of yak and broken tackles. His bread and butter has been what he does with uh, as a rusher and actually in the deep game are really the two things he does best. Yak isn't actually one of his strengths. And for Crowder, it is. So I think Crowder's a really underrated player. And I, I just think the Jets are set with him in the slot and they didn't necessarily cutting him for Samuel wasn't necessarily something I thought they needed to do. I don't think Samuel's as perfect of a fit as a lot of people are pegging him to be. It would be really interesting to see him for sure. And if, if the jets didn't sign Corey Davis, maybe you could play Crowder and Samuel next to each other. But at this point, having already signed Corey Davis, if you were going to sign Curtis Samuel, that would probably have to come with cutting Crowder. I don't think you're going to pay eight figures to three receivers and at this point, I don't think cutting Crowder for Samuel, who is making $3 million in terms of average annual value, $3 million per year more than Crowder is this year. Um, I just didn't think that makes sense. I think Crowder's fit, just as an overall player and his fit in the offense are both underrated among Jets fans. And the opposite true for Samuel, a little bit overrated in terms of the offense, uh, the fit in this offense, just because he isn't actually that great of a yak guy. And behind the line of scrimmage, he actually led all wide receivers and drops behind the line of scrimmage. And he was bottom four in terms of yards per reception and catches behind the uh, and catches behind the line of scrimmage this season. So a little bit overrated in terms of his fit uh, overall great player. I think he's going to be really exciting to watch in Washington, but um, I'm personally a big fan of Crowder and 
do think Samuel's fit and overall value for this team was a little bit overrated. Yeah, I'm not losing sleep about missing out on Samuel. And my reasons are actually a little different than yours. I think that there's so many guys in the draft that can do what Samuel does, um, or at least that mold of receiver, and you're not going to have to pay him 10 plus million dollars a year. I mean, Dwayne Eskridge, Amon Ross St. Brown, um, Rondale Moore, just to name a few. I mean, this draft is littered with those speedier gadget type of guys. I think Samuel would have been very interesting in this offense. I do think he was a really good fit because we know that LaFleur is going to run this Shanahan system, which can have a lot of pre-snap motions, a lot of handoffs to wideouts, um, those deep shots. The Jets don't really have a deep threat right now. So I certainly would have been in favor of the signing, but I'm not. it's not something that I'm losing sleep on. They still could cut Crowder and sign a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, who's still on the open market. Um, which I'm curious to get your take on because it seems like you're firmly in the camp of not cutting Crowder, but do you think that there is, you know, some weight to the fact that looks Juju Smith Schuster is 24 years old. He arguably can do more than Crowder in terms of versatility. Um, the price probably would be similar. It seems like Juju's not going to get the 15 or $20 million a year. He may have been expecting. It's probably going to be more in that Curtis Samuel range. Uh, and who knows, maybe he signs a one-year deal. Um, but do you think that that's something the Jets should explore? I guess if that were to happen, let's say that were to happen today, how would you react to that? He's such a hard guy to figure out. I just really don't know how to feel about him because those first two seasons, it seemed like he was going to be a superstar and, and he came in young. He was only 21 in his rookie year, which is why he's only 24 right now. It was going to be 25 during the season. So he's one of the youngest free agents, but he came in and was an explosive big play threat. His first two seasons was such a good number two next to Antonio Brown. But then these past two seasons without Brown, he's really faded and has been one of the most inefficient high volume targets in the league. He did have nine touchdowns a season, and that's sort of the story of his 2020. He was a good clutch player. He had the nine touchdowns. He was near the top of the league in both red zone touchdowns and third down conversions. I top five in both of those categories. So in those two areas, he was still very good this past season. But other than that, he did pretty much nothing like anything other than those two situations, red zone, third down. He was very unproductive first down, second down, long distance to go situations. Didn't do much of anything overall, only six and a half yards per target, which is pretty bad. So um, last two seasons, he was nowhere near where he was the first two. So who are you getting with Juju Smith-Schuster? And that I think that's the question everyone, uh, all the teams in the league are trying to figure out. Are you getting that guy who you saw the first two seasons, that really explosive, versatile threat? Or are you getting this guy the past two seasons who pretty much was just a check down machine who didn't create much of anything after the catch? So it, it's a, he's a tough guy to figure out, but... Uh, I think in terms of cutting Crowder to make room for Smith Schuster is definitely not something I'd want to do based on his past two seasons, but uh, some team, he is a high reward guy. Whoever signs him, uh, he just averaged 89 yards a game at 22 years old, a couple years ago. So there's a lot of potential here, but in the jet situation, I do think I would probably, and also considering not that he's a bad guy at all, but there's definitely a lot of, you know, there's going to be headlines and attention that comes with him. That's just part of the package with him. And I don't think that's necessarily something that the Jets want right now as they're trying to rebuild this culture. Again, not that he's a bad guy in terms of, you know, just the locker room and everything, but he is that sort of player who has the attention and the spotlight. And I don't think the Jets necessarily want that either. So I would not be in favor of cutting Crowder for him, but 
it, it definitely should be taken into account that there's a lot of upside with him. Yeah, Peter Schrager said that the Jets want guys who eat, sleep, and crap football. And, you know, you could describe Juju like that. I mean, he's certainly a guy who cares a lot about football, but you're right. I mean, the whole TikTok thing, and um, I'm, I think he would actually like to go to the Jets or even the Giants. I think he probably would benefit from being in the league's biggest market because, in some sense, he is already a star. He has that name recognition. And if he goes to New York and has any sort of success, it's just going to take him to that next level when it comes to endorsements. Um, so I, I could certainly see the mutual interest being there and look, I mean, it would certainly be exciting. I think the jets plan going into free agency was actually a lot more regressive than maybe me and you thought it might be. I think we kind of feared that Douglas may hold back, but it seems like the jets plan was to go get Carl Lawson, Corey Davis, and Joe Tooney. They missed out on Tooney, which was arguably the biggest of the need of the three, but it seems like that was beyond their control. And you could argue that Lawson plays the more you can't even argue, he definitely plays the more important position, a position that the Jets haven't had in 15 plus years. So it seems like Douglas was trying to be aggressive and still was getting Davis and, and Lawson. Could he turn some of that money from Tooney into Juju Smith Schuster? Especially if you're cutting Crowder, the net difference isn't going to be that much. I could certainly see it. I wouldn't hate the move. It would be exciting. I would be happy about it. But I know what you're saying. I mean, Crowder might be a little bit more boring than Juju Smith Schuster, but. He's certainly a very good player that gets underrated. I think the biggest question mark is how well does Crowder fit into this offense? I'm not too concerned. You know, I think that there is a chance that 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 Crowder can be that end around that that Brandon Ayuk or that Debo Samuel type of receiver. But we certainly know that Juju Smith-Schuster has done that and can do that. Crowder, it's going to be a little bit more of a projection. But because of the yards after catch and because of all the production he's had the last two years, despite unfavorable circumstances, you have to be pretty optimistic about his transition. But at the same time, this is, the offense isn't an offense that really values strictly slot guys like Crowder is. And so I could see the argument to say, hey, we're paying $10 million for a non-premium position on this team. Let's go turn that money to Juju, who, yes, is a slot receiver, but he can play outside as well, and you're going to get a lot more um, bang for your buck, and he's only 24 years old. So this is a guy who can be a long-term contributor, and we look at the Jets for agent signings. Youth does seem to be something that they are keying in on. They don't, they're not paying for 30, 31-year-old guys like they're a win-now team. They know this is a, a rebuilding team, uh, and they want guys that are going to be contributors when the Jets are contenders in two or three years. Um, I, I would be for it. Uh, again, I'm not going to lose sleep if they don't do it. Um, I think there's certainly plenty of talented receivers that can kind of fill that role, but Juju is ex an exciting player. I wouldn't hate seeing the risk, but I, I get the arguments for not. I think sometimes you have to battle your brain versus your heart. And a lot of times I want to make heart decisions and Joe Douglas seems to make brain decisions and those 10 in the long run to be the, the wise move. But who knows? I, I, I could certainly see it. He's probably the biggest fish out there that the Jets could get because outside of him, I don't really know if there's anybody that really moves the needle, but I do think this is the area of free agency that we all expected Joe Douglas to make a killing on. I mean, these are guys who are accepting after the first few days of free agency that they're not going to get the contract that they may have expected. So they're going to have to settle for a bargain. We know Joe Douglas is a guy who draws a line in the sand and says, this is what I'm going to pay you. So I imagine he has some offers on the table that players are mulling over. Um, and these are, this is a really talented middle class of the free agent, uh, free agency market, more so than any other year, because a lot of these guys like a Justin Hardy couldn't be brought back because so many teams are in the negative. So I really expect over the next few days, just the jets make a living out of these mid tier signings. Juju doesn't really fit that bill. He's probably the last big fish they could get. Um, but when you look at those mid tier guys, who is out there that's left, 
um, that, that you would like to see the Jets pursue? I guess first start at cornerback because this is a position where I don't really know what the plan for the Jets is. I think a guy like Richard Sherman's out there who was certainly was an elite player and is still a very good player, albeit some injury issues, and he is older. He kind of goes against everything what we just said. He is, he is in his 30s. But he likes Robert Sala. He has experience in the system. He can teach the young guys and he can be a valuable locker room leader. So what are your thoughts on Sherman? What are your thoughts on the remaining corners on the market and the, the Jets plan for that position? And then I guess go through the other free agents that, that you think the Jets could pursue. Well, can, I, can I make mo- one more point on the thing with Crowder and yeah, sure, go ahead. just overall the wide? So I, I think one thing that's important to really keep in mind is I think part of a big part of the appeal with Robert Sala was his adaptability. That's what he did on defense with the Niners. He was really willing to mold his approach to the personnel. So I do think that is going to be a key with this entire team, not just the defense, but the offense as well. I think they're really going to emphasize um, trying to make sure their scheme fits the players rather than trying to find players who fit the scheme. You have, you do have to have a balance of both. Obviously you have your core philosophies and you do want to generally go along that guideline but at the same time I think you know you're coming in as a new coaching staff you have good players some good players in place like Jameson Crowder and I think it's going to be important to mold your offense a little bit to fit those guys so no I don't think Crowder is the perfect fit for the offense that the Niners might have ran the past few years they really didn't have a primary slot receiver I mean Trent Taylor was their primary guy but that sort of sums it up. He really was not featured in that offense at all. So it he's not necessarily the type of player who would have fit there, but in this on this team right now, he's their most proven, the most proven guy they have and a plainly very good player. So I think they are going to I think that adaptability to the talent is going to be a very big part of this coaching staff's philosophy. And they are going to mold their uh, their play calling and their struct their scheme and their structure to fit those guys. So I think that's going to be important uh, to keep in mind as well, that they don't necessarily have to build the exact team that the 49ers had. There's going to be a combination of bringing some of those principles and ideas over, but at the same time molding it to what the Jets had when they came in and just the best talent that you could get over the next few years. Corey Davis too, I don't think is the prototype 49ers player, but he's a great talent and he was available. They got him at a good price. He's in his prime. And I think they'll build the offense around what they have. So I think that's important uh, to keep in mind as well, that they don't necessarily have to get exact players who would have fit for the 49ers the past couple of years. But, uh, but, but looking at some of the other positions um, at cornerback, I do think Richard Sherman is an option. I would like to see them go to because most of the top tier corners are gone by now. Shaq Griffin, William Jackson, uh, Michael Davis, other guys like that. So I think a veteran stopgap makes sense. Sherman has experience in the scheme and with Robert Sala, a great veteran leader, and he's still really good until proven otherwise. The past couple seasons, he put up, uh, he was number one in 2019 in terms of yards per cover snap allowed, number two last year in, uh, in only the five games he played. But when he did play, he was number two in that category. So I like Richard Sherman quite a bit at cornerback. Uh, what do you think they should do at corner? Well, I think they're definitely going to draft somebody. And and considering they missed out on Tooney, they're certainly going to draft a guard within either 23 or 34. And there's some options there we can talk about in a minute. But 
I think the corner is probably the next. I mean, you don't always want to draft based off need, but the Jets are in a position where they have a dire need at interior offensive line. And they have a dire need at corner. So I, I would expect them to, to draft somebody probably with pick 34. There's a lot of guys that potentially could slip. Eric Stokes, Stokes is a guy um, that, that jumps out to me. Tyson Campbell is teammate at Georgia. There's a lot of those guys. Um, that I think the Jets, Greg Newsom is another one that the Jets could probably take. And then you're, you're sitting prettier, I guess. You could say, look, we have two young, promising guys in Bryce Hall and whoever the rookie is we draft. And then presumably the Jets will do something in slot with either Kwan Williams or Brian Poole. Um, but I, they definitely do need a veteran. I, I get the Sherman argument. To me, it comes down to money and whether or not at this point in his career he wants to go you know, go to a rebuilding team. I think he's still, like you said, he's still a good player. He still can contribute. So I think that he's at a point where he probably should go to a contender two years from now, it would be a different conversation. It would be a Richard Sherman on the decline, almost a coach Richard Sherman. I don't think he's interested in that type of role with the jets. We'll see what the jets offer him um, if they do offer him at all. But as far as free agent corners go, I mean, the, the market is pretty dry. It's, I, I'm, I'm glad they didn't offer uh, a guy like Shaquille Griffin. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think, think that's been... something that I don't think one of those guys was really, I mean, you could have made the argument for it, but I don't think a big money corner right. is really it's, where they need to be right now. Well, that's also not even just a big money corner, but those are the types of signings where those guys are getting overpaid just based off the, the market being pretty shallow. Yeah. And those are the type of free agent signings where it's like two years from now, you look back and like, oh, that was, that was a bad move. And I just think that, look, they both may turn out to be good players, but if you look at who the Jets have signed, they've signed essentially proven good players outside of maybe draw Davis is more of a projection. You sign a guy like Shaquille Griffin to a $10 million contract a year or something like that, or Chidobe Woozy to those, to those bigger numbers. There's that concern there that, that he's definitely getting overpaid. And the question now is, well, can he live up to that overpaying? Um, so yeah, I get the Sherman argument. I think they'll probably Xavier Rhodes is another one you could go with. Yeah. Xavier Rhodes was a guy I was just going to bring up because I think that he was a guy who really benefited switching to a zone system um, in Indianapolis. And we know that Robert Saul is definitely going to run a zone um, scheme. I think he makes a lot of sense because he's not like a guy like Griffin. You're going to pay a long-term deal to. He's still young. You're penciling him as a starter for the next few years. If you sign a guy like Xavier Rhodes, I think he's going to be cheaper than Sherman. And he's a guy that you can pencil in on a one-year deal while you figure out what you're going to do at that cornerback spot. You can, you can draft a rookie corner. You mentioned, I think earlier today or yesterday, how, how much rookie corners struggle. So it's important to have somebody there that can really play. So if you sign a guy like Rhodes and then you draft, let's say Greg Newsom or Eric Stokes, whoever, it gives them time to adapt. And not to mention, we still don't really know what Bryce Hall is. I mean, I, the signs are certainly promising, but we don't know if he's, is a, a lockdown number two corner yet, or if he's just an, an average corner number four who can play uh, if necessary. That was kind of the lesson we learned with Bless Austin, who, by the way, I also think will benefit um, from the scheme change. Yeah, corner outside of interior offensive line is certainly the Jets' biggest need. I think Rhodes would personally would be my favorite signing they can make at that spot. Um, but looking at the interior off of the offensive line, I mean, man, the Jets have missed out on pretty much everybody. And, and we did say that this would be the worst case scenario. I think getting Carl Lawson and getting Corey Davis balances that out. And specifically Lawson makes me really excited about this free agency period for Douglas. But missing out in the interior of the offensive line is, is pretty brutal. And it makes them it makes it necessary that the Jets are going to have to draft somebody within their first three picks um, at that 23 spot. I mean, I think there's a few good names. Alicia Vera Tucker is really the only qualified guard, but there's guys like Jalen Mayfield um, who, who could slide inside 
um, among others. I mean, Wyatt Davis is another guy. Rashawn Slater, if he falls, is a guy that many feel could be better inside. So there's going to be some options in the draft, but still the way it stands, even if you draft, let's say they get, let's say Vera Tucker falls to 23 and they can take him. You're still banking on either Greg Van Roten or Alex Lewis to start. So I think the Jets should explore the trade market there. But my question to you, Michael, is I've seen some people float this around, some respected members of the media, that because the Jets, and it's not just because of this, but because the Jets have have whiffed on the offensive line, you can make the argument that they're definitely going to have to use multiple picks in the early part of the draft. And some people are floating out that maybe the Jets should trade down, stick with Darnold and use those picks, build up the offensive line and give them a a complete team. I know which camp you're in, but do you think that the fact that they've missed out on, on their plans for the offensive line, at least in the early part of free agency, they could still sign somebody, they could still trade for somebody. Do you think that may have an impact on the decision they make at quarterback? For, for, I, can't really speak to what they think because I, I think one thing that we all know for sure is that the Jets are very, very under Joe Douglas guarded in terms of letting out leaks of what they actually want to do. So, but at least for me, I think that yes, they are in a really bad spot. Missing out on those two guys puts them and Brandon Scherf not hitting the market puts them in a spot where it's going to be very hard for them to upgrade those two huge positions of need at guard. Odey Abushi is still out there. He could be an upgrade if he plays how he did last year. But other than that, there's absolutely nothing. Unless they do want to go the route of adding a center, but it doesn't seem like they want to do that. So they are in a really tough spot. But I don't think that, as big of a need as it is, I don't think that should affect the pro- the approach at the top of the draft because the number one priority is quarterback, and they need a new one, I think. That's pretty plain and simple. And they have the opportunity to take one at number two and reset the rookie contract and get the guy who they think fits the scheme best and understand what sort of players they need to build around him. All those things that we've talked so much about over the past few months. Um, so I, as much of a need as it is, I don't think it should affect that approach. I still think they should sit at number two and take their preference between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. Or if they really do want to trade down, try to go to number four with Atlanta if you like Trey Lance. Um, and you could even, and I'm not saying they should do this, but if they like Trey Lance enough to take him at number four, see if you can go back with the Falcons. And then you, you'll be guaranteed to have your pick between one of those three guys at that number four spot. But I think they, it's kind of like a, in 2018. Right. I think it's an absolute must. Yeah. It is similar to 2018 where it, it was different because you're trading up, but right you were putting yourself in a position where you're like, okay, we like three quarterbacks at this spot. We'll get one of them. And they got Darnold. And and then here you could do the same thing with uh, just trading down. Um, but I, I think it's a must for them to draft a quarterback. I, I don't, I, I think it's just a waste of time. If you're not drafting a quarterback, I, I don't see Sam Darnold succeeding without a fresh start somewhere else. Um, and uh, I, I think they definitely just because of mostly because of the contract situation, uh, and also new regime coming in. You just want to get a fresh start, understand who the face of your franchise is, who you're building around, what type of what types of players you need to complement that guy. Because every quarterback is different and you want players to complement his skill set. So knowing who your franchise quarterback is, the quicker you know that, then going forward, you know how to build around it. What type of lineman do you need? What type of lineman do you need? What type of running backs, type receivers, tight ends? Um, and if you're prolonging that then it becomes harder to build your team because you don't know who you're trying to complement and then next year if Darnold doesn't pan out then you probably to trade up again ultimately I don't think that the I don't think striking out on two 
interior offensive line free agents should affect your approach at the quarterback right. position. They, they still need, a, I, I, in my opinion, need to restart a quarterback. And I still think they should stay at two and do that. That's a really intriguing proposition, though. To tr- if you like Lance Fields, Wilson, and Lawrence pretty much equally, if they all have similar grades, trading down to four, adding a few picks, and still taking a guy like Lance or Fields, presuming that Wilson would probably be the, the second quarterback taken. That's an interesting proposition and one that I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty of time to dissect. But, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it should affect them too much. And you mentioned this to me a few days ago, how the Rams – I forget which a few years ago when they hired McVay, they had a terrible offensive line. They didn't make any changes right. and just strictly due to coaching and the Jets. Yeah, co- coaching and scheme can change it, can change everything. The Rams, which you were bringing up in 2019, their offensive line was really bad. And it, it was a big reason their, their offense took a step back and they did absolutely nothing, literally nothing. They didn't add anybody <laughs> except a seventh round pick. And continuity is key. Offensive line um, after that season. And then they come back in 2020 and, and they're really good this year. So things can turn around just with better coaching, better scheme, just making adjustments, continuity. Uh, and I think there are a lot of reasons to believe the Jets will get better. This scheme should benefit George Fant quite a bit. Mackay Becton should take a huge leap. Um, Connor McGovern is way overdue to go back, go closer to the mean, um, closer to where he was with the Broncos. Um, and those guard spots are question marks and they got to figure it out. They might be starting a rookie. Um, but you also have Cameron Clark going into his second season. So hopefully he's developed and he's ready to j- jump in there. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to believe this line will get better. And it wasn't even that bad last se- last year. Um, the backups were terrible. But the starting five, those uh, those five guys, their overall PFF grade combined was 21st among starting starting fives. In I mean, the that's, that's that's so not great. That's it's that's not terrible though. It's right. Close well, that was the average, jump that we. But that Michael, that's that was, what we wanted. Yeah, that was the jump we wanted last year. But then we said that this year was the year we wanted them to to take a leap around that that 10 to 15 range. Right. And, and then with with uh, Becton progressing, with Fant hopefully improving in this scheme, with John, you, you could make that leap. Yeah, with John Benton, I think he's he's a big key. I still think they should add somebody. I, I like Abushi. I think that's a good idea. If they don't land him, they should certainly explore that trade market. And yeah, I mean, Joe Douglas, you know, made his career based off of his ability to scout offensive linemen. And he certainly has a ton of picks to be able to hit on some. So it's not the worst thing in the world that the Jets offensive line is going to be built through the draft. That was probably Joe Douglas's design, but it would have been a huge help to have a big fish like Tooney. Um, especially since Ricky offensive linemen can struggle. Becton is not the norm. I know, you know, Werfs and Wills also had great careers, but they're great first seasons, but the Jets probably are going to be taking a guy either that 23 or that 34 spot. So it's a little bit of a different caliber of player you're getting. Um, Yeah. The offensive line spot's really interesting. And Joe Douglas is going to have to earn his worth um, drafting offensive line. I guess, Michael, as, as you look at this roster, which re which needs remain that you'd like to see them address over the next few days in free agency, obviously the running back position, Jamal Williams and Marlon Mack, both um, signed elsewhere. And those I seems like kind of the top two options for the jets. Kenyon Drake is still out there. Matt Breida uh, among a few other guys still don't have a fullback. That might be a draft position receiver. We've talked about maybe they could add a fourth. Maybe they could, they could sign Juju and cut Crowder offensive line. We've talked about edge. We, we'd like to see him double dip there. Maybe go after a guy like Kerry Hyder, or Jadavion Clowney, linebacker they could still use a will i like gerard davis that sam but they still desperately need a will linebacker 
and then obviously corner. And hell, maybe they could sign Keanu Neal as a safety if they're not comfortable with Davis and May starting. Neal's also reportedly been talk, talking to teams about potentially playing linebackers. Maybe Keanu Neal's that will linebacker. Uh, and then obviously there's, there's still the whole like, kicker. So I guess what are the of those needs? Which ones do you think Joe Douglas should be aggressive in targeting in free agency? And then which are some? What are some of the players that you think the Jets could still land at some of those spots? I think line. What's happening at linebacker is really interesting. I have no idea how Jayon Brown only got one year, five million. That was absolutely shocking. I thought he was going to get a huge multi-year deal. It's, so that was a surprising one, and and that's right around what Gerard Davis got, and he's he was a backup last season, and Brown has been a really good starter the past three years. So that was a surprising one. Nicholas Morrow, I think, got about the same deal. And he was another good starter last season. So it was interesting how underpaid those guys were. But they still need another linebacker um, who presumably would be start. I, I, I think ideally you have Davis as your third linebacker. That do you think that's rotates du- in. not to cut you off, but do you think that's Douglas's biggest mistake of free agency so far? Is that linebacker? I, th- spot? I think looking at the, the prices of those guys definitely makes it probably the biggest question mark. If um, knowing what Brown and Morrow got and, and at that point and early, they got Davis so early, I think in, I guess in hindsight to like, if you could have gotten Brown, if you told me before free agency that the jets would sign Gerard Davis to the same contract as Jayon Brown, I think I would definitely not be not approve of that. It should so, be noted that Gerard Davis is more of that Sam linebacker. And those guys are will linebackers in the draft is litter litter with those will more of those coverage every down type of linebackers and Davis at the Sam is more of a, a blitzer who can also play coverage, but I, I see what you're saying. I agree with you there. So I think that is probably, I, I mean, we don't know what the, what the deal is with those two guys, why they were so underpaid. Maybe the league doesn't see them as good as we do, but, um, but they still need another linebacker. I think ideally Davis stays as that third guy, like he was for the Lions last season. And you have someone uh, next to Mosley who's more liable as a starter. Maybe that's a rookie who they draft in the first round because it is a really deep position in terms of that late first round and early second round. Um, but I, I like KJ Wright for that spot quite a bit. Um, if they can get their hands on him, he has that connection to both Ulbrich and Sala um, from early in his career. Uh, he's still one of the best coverage linebackers in the league and his experience playing starting in that will spot. So I think that would be a really good pickup at linebacker. Um, and, and then at edge, I still think they need another starting edge opposite Lawson to hold the fort down until someone else develops into that spot. Kerry Hyder, Everson Griffin, Alden Smith, uh, guys like that, uh, Olivier Vernon, those types of guys can Clowney. fill that role. I think uh, Clowney, Clowney too is the other one. There's so, there are so many, I forgot him too, but, Absolutely, Jadeveon Clowney, if you can get him on another one-year deal. He's still a very, very good player who's underrated because of sacks. But um, So I think those are the two things that I'm mostly looking at. Can they get some more linebacker competition and depth, a guy who could potentially start, and an, another starter at the edge spot opposite Carl Lawson? Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think edge uh, is certainly a priority. I think they should sign somebody at linebacker. They didn't tenure either Frankie Louvu or Harvey Lange. Lange is a guy that I thought maybe could be a fit at 4-3 outside linebacker. Certainly not going to be a, a star, but a good special, very good special teams player. And a guy who, you know, provided some energy last year. Um, I think they should go with after one of those veteran corners. I, I prefer Xavier Rhodes because I think he's going to be cheaper. I wouldn't hate a Keanu Neal signing. 
Uh, I really wouldn't because I do have concerns about how May and Davis play together. I think they're both more natural free safeties. But in this this defense, you want guys who can do both things, and both guys have played strong safeties. It just seems like their strengths are both free safety. So if you get a third guy in there that can play linebacker, that could go in the box, you can just have a lot more fun. And you look at what New England's done, bringing in Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, those big nickel packages, those three safety packages are going to have to be heavily utilized and you're going to have to be able to cover those tight ends. Um, so I wouldn't hate a safety addition. And then when you look at the offensive side of the ball, I want to say Juju, but realistically, I don't think they will, but I, it would just be exciting. Um, but I, I would I'll pass. I'll pass. I know you would, Mike. You're the brains <laughs> of the operation. I'm the heart of this podcast. Um, at running back, I think I think Kenyon Drake's a guy who's intriguing. I mean, James White's out there. You just kind of want a, a veteran guy who you're comfortable. With. I, I mean, I, I guess they might be done at running back with Josh Adams coming back. He's you think you Ryan, think they're just gonna roll with Ty Johnson, Josh Adams, Michael P. Yeah, Ryan, and I, I think they'll draft someone on day three, and then you'll have those four. Um, I guess I mean, look, guys going in. San Francisco made a living just working with bums in the backfield and making stars. I mean, they don't really need to pay any money, but it could be kind of nice to have a veteran back there. I think Jarek McKinnon is or yeah, either McKin- him or Matt Breida would be the two guys I'd be looking at. They, they have the connection, but they're also both very good receiving backs. Yeah, both both played under, uh, under the same offense in San Francisco. I guess the last position, I guess there's two, but they go under the radar. Backup quarterback and kicker. Is there anybody in the market that you think the Jets should explore in either of those spots? Well, I I would say Joe Flacco. I do think he played. I think he played underrated football last season. I really do. So, but I, is he a fit in this if, offense where you need a quarterback who can be mobile? I I guess he's probably not. But I don't. Maybe Mitch Trubisky wants to come here oh, and be God. a backup. You know, I don't know. That quarterback room of Mr. Trubisky and Nick Sam Mullins. Darnold. Nick Mullins, I think, is our guy. C.J. Beathard, too. C.J. Beathard. Those two guys, I think, are probably the ones you're looking at in terms of the backup. Any kickers um, out there so the Jets don't have to, to deal with another yeah, year of? The good kickers have kind of uh, – some of them were retained. Um, Matt Prater's gone. Uh, Tampa Bay kept Ryan Suck up. Um that's going to be interesting. Maybe, maybe they'll finally draft a kicker or sign an undrafted one. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do there, but I, I do just hope that they put some effort into it because they've been completely ignoring it. The past is few Koo years still and, available for the Falcons. Um, young, I think young way who is still out there. Um, I feel like he'd be pretty expensive though. And he's also, he is pretty not bad, but he's a lot better indoors and outdoors so i don't know if the jets would be a good fit for him uh it'll be interesting to see what happens though yeah and then lastly oh, I guess... actually young lake who was re-signed so oh, okay about him anyway well there we go i'm glad we clarified that and then a tight end is there anybody out there that you're interested in that i really wanted gerald everett i was i thought he was a great fit and the fact that he got half of what john smith got i think he's going to be a much better value uh, I, he probably won't be featured in Seattle as much as John who will in New England, but I mean, they've been very similar players so far, but um, without him, it's definitely, it's, I think some of the best options that are gone at this point, but Dan Arnold from the Cardinals is an underrated guy. Uh, and he had, he showed some receiving upside this past season, a little bit of a question mark that he's a similar name to Sam Darnold, but we'll be able to deal with that. Trey Burton is an, an interesting and- one. Pretty good Joe Douglas connection. Versatile guy. Um, 
Richard Rodgers had a weird season last year where he came out of nowhere and was a ridiculously good receiver. Mm. Um, so I guess those three guys kind of stand out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think tight end at this point, because they didn't get Everett, because they didn't go after Janu, it seems like a position they might address in the draft and, and get two yeah. young guys, you know, Herndon and a, and a rookie. Tommy Tremble's a guy who's, who's very popular on Jets Twitter, the tight end for Notre Dame. I think that's a position they can, they can certainly target. I think Douglas will probably trade down a few times in the draft. I think they'll probably trade Darnold. So they're going to have a lot of ammo, and I think they can attack a lot of these needs. I mean, within the first two rounds, presuming they have four picks and they don't trade down early in the draft – you can plug corner or excuse me, you can, well, yeah, you can plug corner, you can plug quarterback, you can plug into your offensive line and then you have one more pick. Yeah, And year. that's another thing about trading down. It's like they, they have an extra first round pick. They have the first pick in the second round, presumably getting another second round or late first round pick for Darnold. They're pretty loaded. I, I, right. I just don't think you have to alter your quarterback decision right. for the sake of interior offensive line, just because you didn't get, two good free agent interior offensive linemen. Now you should change the entire course of your quarterback position. Personally, that doesn't work for me. Maybe it'd be different if they didn't have another, if, if they didn't, if they were lacking in picks, but right. they have an extra pick. They certainly probably can get another extra pick and they have premium position because they were tied for the worst or had the second worst record in the league this year. Yeah. But like what I was just saying though, is like you knock out those the first three picks. You still have one in the second, presuming they trade Darnold. You can attack that will linebacker spot. You can double down at edge. You can double down at offensive line. And then you have from the third, you have two third rounders and the rest of your draft picks to go after positions like tight end and running back. So the jets certainly have the ability to, to completely transform this team. And that's not even counting all the picks they have next year as well to fully turn this thing um, into a contender. So I'm excited. I think the jets, have made some good moves, but I certainly think there's there's more work to be done. Um, we did this last time, certainly didn't pan out, but the Namath guarantee, they have to sign somebody, Michael. I mean, one guy in two days is certainly not enough for, for my intake, the amount of times I've been refreshing Twitter. So I want your Namath guarantee on somebody they signed today. Well, I guess I was wrong. Well, I mean, they still you're not, could sign you're not him. wrong. You just... Uh, they still could sign him. I was wrong Jerry about Ryder, guaranteeing yeah. that they would sign him, sign him yesterday. Still could happen, though. Um for day four, um, I, I guess no one went with Justin Hardy yesterday. So if, if anyone did go with Justin Hardy, <laughs> congratulations to you. Um, day four, I, I think I'm, I think I hope things will ramp up. I probably would have said the same thing for your recorded yesterday, but they did not ramp up today. I'm, I'm going to go with I, – I'm sort of leaning to the cornerbacks, the veteran cornerbacks, but I don't, I don't feel good about Sherman coming here, I think. He'll go to a contender like the Saints. Um, so I think I'm going to look to the edge position and I'm going to stick with Kerry Hyder. I'm going to go with him again. Today is the day we're going to get him. The day is finally the day. And some people may forget, Kerry Hyder is actually on the Jets at the, the very beginning of his career. That's right. Fun fact this is pretty lame, but because he was, he was having a good training camp. He was one of those training camp studs. I have a video on my phone from August of 2014 when he was on in training camp saying Kerry Hyder was going to be a stud. So I can, I can provide that evidence as, I mean, I was kind of predicting the future there. So it'd be, it'd be fitting if he came back to the jets in a million plus year, um, you know, dollar contract. Um, because I certainly think he's a good fit. He had nine sacks last year and saw his defense. He can start at that opposite defensive end spot. You force John Franklin Myers to be, 
a consistent three tech, which you've pointed out is was had elite production there. And then you also have a guy in Jabari Zuniga who can maybe potentially take over for Hyder because Hyder's getting up there in age. Um, I, I would love that signing. I think today's the day they finally get Kwan Williams. His market seems to be heating up. There's a lot of teams bidding for his services. I think the Jets are going to win that bidding war. No team has more cast space than the Jets. It seems like that's Salah's guy. If they do somehow swing and miss, they could always pivot to pool. But I think Kwan Williams is a Jet by the end of the day. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Clear Jets podcast. Presumably, we'll have another episode tomorrow. If they sign anybody, if they sign one person, we'll do a podcast. If not, we might have to wait until Friday. Um, but you can follow the podcast at CYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nanny and myself at Ben W. Blessington. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Jets, X Factor, the best place to go for Jets content. That'll do it for us. Thank you for listening. Day four on deck for free agency. Let's see what Joe Douglas has in the works. Pass the work quickly. Down to six seconds. Car going down again. And it's Quentin Williams this time for the Jets. The middle in the air. Picked off. Ryan Poole to the end zone. Touchdown. The punter to beat. And the punter brings him down. Brayton Mann saved a touchdown most likely. Looks right. Fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.